Well, the Phoenix Suns have fallen, and they fall into the Toronto Raptors, and they've fallen to a 53 and 14 record this season. Yes, I don't know how we're going to have to cope following this loss to those Raptors, but Matthew, I got I got to say that the Raptors just for some reason are just an annoying matchup for the Phoenix Suns, aren't they? Yeah, because they rebound well. And the one thing that the Suns are having issues with is rebounding. I mean, it looked a little bit better the last few games, but it kind of peaked its head again. Um, but the Raptors, I mean, they started out strong, man. The, the way to beat the Suns is to really go into the to the second half with a lead, with a tie, uh, going to the fourth quarter with a lead, with a tie, to even have a chance. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the Suns, I mean, they're like undefeated going into the fourth when they have a lead. So you got to start out strong against the Suns. That's what they did. And they actually finished it, very surprisingly. And to their credit, they forced the Phoenix Suns into situations under five minutes in which the Suns didn't perform well. And it's not something we're necessarily used to seeing. So uh, definitely a lot to unpack when it comes to this game. But first and foremost, it's it's good to be back home. It's good to be back in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, good I'd to land, have you I, back. Yeah, it's good. It's good to be back, man. It's good to be back, man. <laughs> uh, and the nice thing is that you know I got to see this game. I was landed coming in from Reno. Caught the first half on my phone while my I was waiting for my wife to pick me up from the airport. Caught the second half when I got home. And I think I I'm gonna be you know kind of upset like a lot of Suns fans. But that's why I let off the podcast reminding us of what our record is. We're 53 and 14. You know, this Mm -hmm. is a team that's still as frustrating as it is to lose. I mean, we we know that. But this is only the 14th time this season that you and I have come on to do a podcast following a loss by the Phoenix Suns. I think that, you know, there's a lot to be said for that, isn't there, Matthew? Yeah. And honestly, um, this is a game even in the first half. I'm like, if they lose this, I can see the Suns losing it just by the way, the, the Raptors were playing, the refs were calling the game. Like This isn't a game where we go on here and we blame anything that the Suns really did. Mm-hmm. It's just a game where, you know, it just wasn't theirs to win. It's like in a series that we might see in the playoffs, there might be games where the Suns just can't win. They're out coached, they're out refed. It's going to happen. So that was like tonight. Yep, absolutely. So reminder, Jamsters, if you're watching along live, please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe, rate, and review. And if you happen to be listening to the podcast, do the same. Subscribe, rate, review, and go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review, and we'll read it right here on the pod. We haven't done that in quite some time, so do it. Do Do it. it. Do it. it. Matthew, I assume it's a Friday night, and you're hanging out. You're popping open a beer tonight. I can I can just tell. I I, I can feel it. It's 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 gonna happen. Ah, well, your your feelings are uh, incorrect. I have a jug of wine tonight. Jug of wine. A jug okay, of that's wine. Hundred mile an hour switching <laughs> lanes. Like whoa, <laughs> nitro. My flow. Like whoa. Well, I'm gonna oh. go ahead and pop open a a Coors Light. Now, I did say yeah. that I would start popping open Coronas. Okay, I don't know if you saw. The new Corona yeah. commercial with Devin yeah. Booker in it. It's a fantastic commercial. It's for March Madness. It's him. It's Vince Carter. Uh, it's Sue Bird. And they're all talking about their different favorite shades of blue, considering they all went to universities that have blue. And I I, I tweeted it out. I'm like, hey, you know, I might have to start popping and open some Coronas. And <laughs> Corona actually replied to my tweet. I they, saw they, that. I did. Yeah. I was like, yeah. well, if you want to sponsor the pod, I'll, I'll start popping Coronas if you want to sponsor. Did they DM so. you? Did no, they, DM? they didn't slide into the DMs ah. yet. So 
Corona, if you're watching this pod, I got a course light. This could be a Corona can right here. We'll be repping you the rest of the season, just just like Devin Booker. Really quick, with that size of can, what is it, the the 16-ounce? Yeah. Those taste better than the 12, right? A hundred percent. I say it all the time. No one believes me. I'm like, they taste so much better, and I don't feel as shitty when I drink the 16-ounce. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And the nice thing about these Coors Lights is you buy like a 24-pack of these big ones, the pint version, at Costco, and it's 20 bucks. Yeah. So, I mean, that alone is go. worth the price of admission. So if you have a drinking problem, if you're here to talk about the Suns loss to the Raptors and you just need somebody to lean your, you know, lean on me when you're not strong, now crack a beer and we'll talk about this all night long for... Yes, it was a five-point defeat for the Phoenix Suns as they lost to the Toronto Raptors by a final score of 117 to 112, which brings me to my first question of the night. Matthew, I got to ask. Listen here, bubs. Is this the most fired up you have seen the Suns in the fourth quarter this entire season? (laughs) Uh, yeah, actually, it seems like at this point in the season, the Suns are kind of looking for different situations to find themselves in, in the fourth, uh, in the third quarter, they looked even more fired up with the flagrant and of course the uh, technical foul, but in the fourth quarter, it just, it wasn't one guy, Biombo, Mr. Biombo comes in and he carries the Suns. He, he, he has that McGee energy, the Jay Crowder energy. That was him tonight. He absolutely helped that team, like, just basically turn on the Jets offensively, defensively, offensively, which is really weird to say because he actually was trying to run the show offensively. He's like, hey, he's like, come on, campaign, let's get down here. Hey, hey, uh, Mikael, come on, I'm gonna set you a screen. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, let's get back in the offense. And that was something that really, like, I just is like, I've never seen that before from him. But it was really fun. Uh, great fourth quarter, though. I mean, of course, I got the loss, but it was still the energy was still there. No, I mean, it was it was a dogfight tonight. And I think that the referees and, and the lack of respect that the Phoenix Suns have when it comes to officiating is hitting a boiling point. Uh, a few games ago, Monty Williams mentioned it in a press conference after the Milwaukee Bucks game about how the narrative of the Suns not getting calls and the free throw disparity is just kind of getting old, especially when it comes to the Bucks. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what we saw in those finals games is the Phoenix Suns could not kind of not do anything right in the eyes of the referees. And you hate to have that conversation, especially when you're referencing the NBA finals of constantly noting how you're just being cornholed by the officiating. Mm-hmm. I mean, it go, you go back to when the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl back in like, Oh seven, you know, that was the narrative of that. And to this day, I guarantee you what little Seahawks fans, you know, probably remember that uh well they probably don't because all seahawks fans are like have only been around since 2012 so they probably have no idea what you're talking about because they are really not good fans but it's the same thing with kind of the suns where you feel like there's games in which the phoenix suns are not allowed to play physical but the opposition the opposition is and, and you saw it plenty tonight i mean fred van vliet was in devin booker's 
shorts half of the night. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. is kicking his legs out and throwing elbows on the campaign's head throughout the night. Doesn't get called for flagrants on either one of those. There's one play. We're on an entry pass. Uh, it's it's 10 feet over the, the Toronto Raptors' head, uh, but because the guy jumped and screamed, it was a foul. and it, it was a turnover, and then it was reviewed, and then it was an unsuccessful challenge. And when you start to see some of those situations, Matthew, you, you got to get a little frustrated, right? Yeah, I mean, after Tiger 25 says, pretty easy to rebound when you can just push the other guys out of the way without getting called for fouls the whole game. That's the way it basically was. And you know me, I'll say it over and over again, how <clears throat> I don't care about the refing as much because I know the Suns, absolutely, they their offense doesn't really revolve about, around fouls. It just doesn't. Um, tonight, though, it started in the third quarter where it, it was 31 seconds where the Raptors got 10 points after two technical fouls, free throws. But those technical fouls, a technical foul by Jay Crowder, that was, I liked it. I know yeah. he didn't get back on defense. I know he wasn't there to help out after they hit a three. But I'm like, Jay, even if you get back, they're going to hit a three. They're on a roll right now. Even if you get back and defend, put your arm in their face, they're going to hit a three. I'm like, get the technical, do it. And then yeah. <laughs> the next play, Booker, the flagrant one, it needed yeah. to happen. Something had to happen. And since that point, Going into the fourth quarter, the Suns got 13 out of the next, or sorry, 10 of the next 13 calls. So it was something that helped the Suns get back into the game. They needed the calls. They had to play the foul game. They usually never do that unless they absolutely have to. And we know it works. And that's what they did. They had to get the refs. They had to make sure that the refs knew going into the fourth quarter, like, hey, this is going to be a dogfight. And if you're going to call it for the Raptors, you have to give us some calls. You have to do something. But it went the Suns' way. And, of course, the Suns turning the ball over didn't help their, their cause after getting back into the game. But what they did with those flagrants in the text, I loved it. I think it had to happen. I don't think anybody was mad at Jay Crowder or Devin Booker for doing that to get them back into the game. No, it's because they they stood up for themselves. And finally, you're like, okay, just enough is enough. I mean, yeah. it, it was truly ridiculous uh, because, you know, kind of to your point, Matthew, the Phoenix Suns are a team that don't really rely on fouls, right? Uh, but when they, they feel like they're being pushed around and there's no calls are going their way, like, yeah, they're, they're going to just sit there and be like, okay, listen, you want a foul? I'll give you a foul, right? It's, you know, you want a reason to cry, son? I'll give you a reason to cry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's yeah. kind of that's kind of what they did childhood tonight. Childhood trauma. <laughs> yeah, childhood trauma <laughs> stuff, man. You know, it's just like, it it kind of got ridiculous after a while. Uh I think one of the frustrating things is I, I, I always wonder what the outside looking in looks like, uh, especially when it comes to the Suns, because I do feel like we are kind of a whiny team at times, you know, and, and, and it snowballs. And that's every team. I, I understand yeah. that. And because we see that with other teams, I feel like the Memphis Grizzlies are a team that is very San Antonio of the mid 2000s esque, where they're always pining for calls. And that's what used to drive us crazy when we used to play those Spurs teams is they would be physical and they would punch the Suns around. And then the moment you looked at Tim Duncan cross-eyed, he was, you know, crying and, and for a foul. And, and I understand that. I felt like tonight that's what kind of happened is in that fourth quarter, the Phoenix Suns had just had it. And they used that as a conduit and a tool to fuel their furious comeback. And at one point, they had outscored the Toronto Raptors 22-6 to in the fourth quarter. But ultimately, yeah. the effort it took to get back into the game 
was overtaken by mental lapses. Uh, and, you know, Devin Booker was part of those mental lapses. You know, credit to him. Uh, you, when you're that good that they are literally just saying, fuck it, we are throwing every possible double team we can at you. You know, the, the Phoenix Suns in that fourth quarter had six turnovers tonight. That's why we lost this game. The journey to get to that point involves some very questionable refereeing. Absolutely. Uh, the journey to that point included uh, Gary Trent Jr. going nuclear. But the Suns were still in it, and it was 105 to 105. And the Phoenix Suns, you know, ultimately were outscored, uh, I think, what, 12 to 5 or 12? I can't do math. 105, Something 105, like that. 12. I'm, I'm with you on this. 12 to 7. 12 to 7 <laughs> for the remainder. Seven, yeah. and, and six of those points, they lost by five. Six of them were on layups following mm-hmm. poor passes that led to led to fast break layups for the opposition. So no matter how that journey was to get to that point and all the kind of bullshit and the Suns going one for 10 from beyond the arc in the first quarter and – uh, the the Toronto Raptors, you know, getting the benefits of the foul to your point, you know, kind of te- a bunch of points and technicals and all that stuff. They, after all that said and done, the Suns had a chance to win this game, and in my opinion, they lost this game more so than Toronto won it. Yeah, and, and when you usually say like the Suns lost the game, it'd be like I'd I'd be a little upset about it, but they were just careless turnovers. It wasn't something where we've seen this over and over again. Oh my god, they can't close out games, right? I mean, we're the most clutch team there. Chris Paul, of course, isn't there, but I'm not going to use that as an excuse. Mm. I'm just saying we we know how to handle ourselves, or the Suns do in these situations. They were just bad passes. It was really weird, and like even like the last few, I'm like, oh okay, we're going to lose. Like when Da couldn't get that rebound yeah. to like try to get another shot off after Booker missed a three. Like it was a good shot by Book. It looked good. And then it just honestly didn't go in, but he was feeling it tonight later on in the game. So it was a good shot and DA just not grabbing the board. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Not a big deal. I mean, the do you think though that the Raptors defense, so like they kept it up all game. I know the first mm-hmm. quarter, you know, you're doubling Booker uh, before he hits the time stripe and it, Booker's looking over there in the Martian. I didn't know they had him as a, as a coach, uh, Earl Watson, Big headed Earl Watson yeah. was over there. Yeah, <laughs> the Martian dude. That, he was that's there. where he's at. Yeah, and uh, Booker was looking over at him. He's like, "Hey, like, are you seriously? You're starting this already?" And they didn't. Yeah. They didn't stop. That's the way he had to beat the Suns. You have to continue to double book. And for some reason, Booker was like running with the double teams away from yes. his teammates. Yes. That's the one and, thing and, that and I felt into like the corner. Yeah, and I thought he like was over that. And I'm not really upset about it. But I'm like. When they come, usually you're supposed to pass it out, right? Not keep dribbling and running away with mm-hmm. them. I just I haven't seen that in a while from him. So I'm sure he'll work on that and get over that. I just don't think it's going to happen a whole lot to where he's going to be, you know, holding the ball that long. He's going to be tossing it out of there as soon as he can, I would think. Well, yeah, and I think that, I mean, there was definitely some possessions in this game where they blitzed Booker and he made the right decision and the Suns did a good job of swinging the ball around and finding the open guy. I just feel like in that last yeah. four minutes – if he there was one pass where he got the ball out and the Suns just didn't take advantage of the fact that I believe it was DA was wide open underneath and they just held the oh, ball yeah. too long and they yeah. passed it back out to campaign and reset that possession, which led to another double teamed on Booker that led to uh, a turnover. So Booker has done a, an amazing job passing out of double teams. I think that in this game, it just happens so often and uh, again, to your point, they they the full court pressure. The, I mean, kudos to the Raptors. Again, as as I 
said it when we came on is the Raptors for some reason this year have been a, a difficult matchup for the Suns. We only play them twice. We beat them once up in Toronto. They beat us here, uh, but they're a very long athletic team and they will play physical with you. I mean, yeah. Fred Van Vliet is the shortest, smallest guy. And then every other guy on this team is essentially a Mikel Bridges type player, a three and D type player. You know, you got Scotty Barnes, the rookie, you got Pascal Siakam, uh, you got Gary, uh, Gary Trent Jr. You know, 42 points on 21 shots. Like, yeah, that's going nuclear. And that's what it took for them to beat us. So, you know, they obviously, much akin to the Heat, the Heat needed that game much more than the Phoenix Suns did. That That's going to be the narrative for the remainder of the season, is every team is going to need it more than the Suns. Because the Suns, after everything is said and done, they're still up a total of seven and a half games yeah. with, with 16 to go or 15 to go, or something. 53 plus 14. What's that, Matthew? 67? 75. I'm not sure. <laughs> something like it's, that. So we have, I love us trying made, to figure out math. I'm yeah, I know. Let's math it real quick. <laughs> but again, I mean, it's going to take an unbelievably epic meltdown for the Phoenix Suns not to finish with the number one seed. So what was good to see about this game and, and what was productive, in my opinion, was to see how fired up the Suns got in that fourth quarter, to see how angry they got, and to see them utilize that anger and channel it towards productivity. That's what happened. That's what got them back in this game. That's what but when they put that 22 yeah. to 6 run on those those Raptors, I was I was like, even if we lose this game, this is what I want to see. Is because there's two things you can do when you get frustrated with the referees. You can go on Twitter like we do and bitch about it. Or you know, as a player, you can fold to it and let the let the refereeing and the officiating take you out of your mental space, or you can attack and you can use that energy to impose your will upon the opposition. And that's what the Phoenix Suns did. Again, they, they just fell short at the end because they made three bad passes that led to six easy points. Uh, it, it's like, I could end the pod right there. Boom. That's it. That's what <laughs> that's happened. Wrap her up. It. And you know, uh, the frustration too, uh, that the Suns did have, Cameron Payne can easily get really frustrated, right? You saw him tonight where he was just, oh, I've never yeah. seen a guy get so jacked up from a three-point shooter like tonight where twice he's holding the back of his head because they're throwing his their elbows in the back of his head trying to draw the foul. Um, but campaign had to chill out. I mean, even Chris Paul told him like, Hey dude, yeah, like, he's like, all dude. right. He slammed his hand on the court. Like I fit, it looked like Chris Paul told him, and I don't have any sources, you know, to come, you know, you were sitting courtside behind you heard. Scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like that. But it looked like he was just telling like, Hey, dude, chill out. Like you're going to hurt yourself. If you hit the floor with your hand, like we well, don't need you injured. Yes. I don't know if it was his injured hand already, but like, you just got to chill out. So he was mellowed out and it helped him kind of, you know, get back into it. But just he's got he got so jacked up on both those three point shots. Gary Tran Jr. trying to go off on him, and I mean that's maybe one way to separate yourself from the defender the next few times is just to hit him in the back of the head and kick your kick him in the nuts. I don't know because <laughs> that's what he kept doing to him. Yeah, I think that campaign. You make a valid point, and and campaign it had a fantastic game. Let's yeah he let, really let's did. not get lost on that. I'll start with that nine for eighteen from the field, three for nine from beyond the arc. He had seven uh, total rebounds. He had four assists. He had 24 points. He was the Suns' leading scorer tonight. And he's the one who, in my opinion, really kept the Suns in this game in that second quarter when they looked pretty inert when Devin Booker uh, and DeAndre Ayton weren't on the floor. He played nine minutes in that second quarter. He was five for seven from the field and had 12 of his 24 in that second quarter. And I thought he played fantastic tonight uh, for the most part. But again, as, as I mentioned, 
this team utilized that energy, that negative energy, and turned it into a positive in that fourth quarter, right? I feel like Cameron Payne's the only one who really didn't. And that's the area of opportunity for him. Because you're right. And, and what makes Cameron Payne Cameron Payne is the emotion in which he plays. the How much he cares. The struggle that he's been through to get to where he's at as a member, uh, a starting point guard right now on the best team in the NBA with Chris Paul out. So you don't want Cameron Payne to sacrifice who he is at his core. But at the same time, there's an emotional intelligence that we've watched other players on our team, i.e. Devin Booker, who still needs to work on it. But he, the emotional intelligence not to do things, you know, like you said, he said they're pounding the floor. You know, you hurt your hand there, campaign. Now we're really up shit creek. Why? Because, you know, because we almost lost to an Eastern Conference team. I mean, that ultimately yeah. doesn't truly matter. It's like, again, and, and you see him get flustered and he does that thing at the end of the game. There's one thing I can't stand about any NBA player. And LeBron James, the world heavyweight champion of this shit is when you kind of are at the back end of a game and you know you might lose and you turn the ball over and you just roll your head and you walk up the court. And Campaign did that a couple times tonight because in mm-hmm. that fourth quarter, you know, while Devin Booker was getting pummeled by the opposition, you know, Cameron Payne, he also threw one of those passes away too. And he just was kind of just like, you know, I, I get it. Be emotional. That's what makes Campaign campaign. And that's why he scored 24 points tonight. That's why he had a fantastic game. But at the same time, if you – and that's why you saw Chris Paul, like as you mentioned, Matthew. Chris Paul's on the sideline talking to him about that. You can see him, he's like, calm down, dude. Calm yeah. down. They need you in those last four. You have to be the voice of reason in those last four or five minutes. And tonight he missed there. Yeah. And also, it's weird that Chris Paul's telling him to chill out when Chris Paul, you know, I mean, he did injure himself pretty bad where he was out for almost two months. And then he, like, <laughs> he runs into the back of the ref. Whether or not you want to say it was intentional, it looked like he was kind of just trying to aim for the ref there. So Chris Paul <laughs> could be one of the more frustrating play- frustrating players to himself on the court at times, but that's fine. But Cameron Payne, like, you remember the days when he used to, like, shoot threes and we're like, oh, my God, what a fucking terrible shot. Yeah. Now I feel like I love every three he takes. I don't care where it's at because I feel like in transition and half-court set, if it's, like, if it's three feet behind the line or it's it's toes on the line, I don't care. Like he always, it always looks good. It always, he was three for three for nine tonight. It was zero for three in the fourth, but I just, I just, I like what, how he, sh- how he shoots now, mm-hmm. where he, where he spots up to shoot him. Um, it just, I always feel like they're going to go in. And I guess that's a good reason to be like, oh, yeah, now they look good because they're, most of them are going in. Well, of course. But so. I guess that's, I guess that's what, just like when Shamit shoots, you know, it's like, oh, now they're going in sometimes. Like maybe it looks better, but he's really earned that, dude. And he, uh, he's like in playoff mode now, mm-hmm. I think, to where he's, I mean, he's probably been like that for the past few games or past couple weeks, maybe, but he's absolutely like, he's a guy like tonight. You can see, even though it didn't end very well for him, uh, he's a guy that you, you saw last year. This is him. I mean, he looks even better than I feel like last year in the playoffs. But I I'm agree. excited for the playoffs I to agree. start where he's, yeah, he's going to be that guy off the bench, the energy that he has. I'm just, I can't wait for that. And like you said, losing this game against the Raptors, I mean, I don't really care, man. We're going to clinch this thing up pretty soon. And I know it's like the Arizona, you, you got to be careful because of all the demons we have and all that stuff. Of but course. I don't care, man. I'm just, a loss here and there is not going to kill anything, any of the momentum. No, and again, you know, it's like we play the Lakers on Sunday. Like, you lose to the Lakers, you're frustrated, right? Yeah, you you lose the to Lakers, the Raptors, yeah. 
You know, it's just like, God, it, it, it pisses you off. Of course, you want to win every game. What's made this team so exciting is it feels like they've nearly won every game this season. But at the same time, you put everything in perspective, and you're right about campaign. He is in playoff mode already. That That's how he appears to me. You know, he's having a career-best 10.9 points per game this season. Uh, he's averaging a career high, or set, almost career high. He had 4.5 assists per game in the, his 25 games played with the Chicago Bulls in 2017-18, and he's at 4.4 assists per game this season with the Phoenix Suns. But since since he's been back, you know, because again, remember, we were without him for about 16 games. He came back right when we needed to. Uh, he, I think we had one game where there was no campaign after the Chris Paul injury. As a starter uh, in these last five games, not including tonight, so these averages will jump. He's averaging 14.8 points and 10.8 assists. So he's averaging 15 and 11, and he went for 24, uh, only four assists tonight. And, you know, that's the one thing that you saw the Toronto Raptors do is they were like, you know what? Campaign's going to have to beat us tonight with his shooting versus his passing tonight. They were doing a very good job playing the passing lanes, trying to put yeah. him in, in situations where he could or he was forced mm-hmm. to shoot the ball. So that's what he did is, is you know, he stood back. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, 18 total shots, both he and Devin Booker took 18 shots. Both happened to also hit nine uh, and both turned the ball over three times. So that was kind of their strategy. It's like, listen, we've seen Cameron Payne in these last five games leading into this game facilitate this offense. Let's take him out of his rhythm th- that way. And you know what, while we're doing it, let's elbow him a couple times in the back of the head. Exactly. And you would say like, oh, those assists are because look who he's playing with. But you can drop a lot of point guards in this situation. They can't they can't do what he does. They just they they can't. And he's making himself into a future starter in the NBA, I feel like. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. He's he is on a steal of a contract right now, uh, considering that he could be a starter in on a lot of teams. You know, it, it, it's so funny. Cam, the cams, right? Cam Johnson campaign. They could be starters on probably I'd say 22 other teams, maybe 25 yeah. other teams in the NBA right now. Yeah. They yeah. would be starters. And here they are coming in off the bench, assisting this team. And again, you know, you don't like to lean on the fact that we don't have Chris Paul and we don't have Cam Johnson unless it benefits you. And tonight, it, it benefits us to use that argument. If anybody says anything, it's like, yeah, we don't have Chris Paul. We don't have Cam Johnson. So how about fuck yourself? So <laughs> uh, speaking about how about fuck yourself, there is a lot of people in the, the chat who are hanging out and, uh, they're talking a little bit of shit about this guy. Tory Craig, man. Uh, you know, we talked about this <laughs> a few pods ago. Uh, you kind of asking that question, where, oh, where has Tory Craig gone? And, you know, he, he came back, obviously, to the Phoenix Suns after leaving in free agency to join the Indiana Pacers. He's been back. This is his 12th game back since he's been back. All of his numbers are down compared to what they were with the Indiana Pacers. He's shooting prior to this game. Now he went one for three from beyond the arc. If I remember, if I'm reading correctly, that is oh, oh for three, oh for three, oh for three from beyond the arc oh for, for Torrey Craig. Yep. Uh, so the, his percentage will drop entering this game. He's shooting with the Phoenix Suns. What would you guess he's shooting from beyond the arc, Matthew? Percentage wise, he is shooting uh, 0.8. Nine, 0.189. 0.189. So 18.9%. Yes. That's correct, Matthew. Hey. Yeah, I'm reading is, it right now. What does he win? <laughs> Glasses uh, for reading. Nipple tassels. <laughs> so, so, All right. <laughs> so that's going to drop, you know, and 
Yeah. Obviously, you don't bring a Tory Craig in to be a knockdown three-point <laughs> shooter. That's not necessarily what he does. If you look at him last season, he had a career high 36.9%. So we literally saw the best version of Tory Craig last year. But he's kind of non-existent on both ends of the floor, I feel. You know, 13 minutes played tonight, one of four from the field, three points, four assists, and a total of one rebound for Tory Craig, Matthew. Yeah, it's weird. Like before the last few seasons, the Suns played like so well. Um, we always would talk about these guys coming back to the franchise. Like, hey, would you have Dan Marley come back and coach the Suns? Would you have this person come back, this player? Like, no, just leave it in the past. The past yeah. was ugly. It was dark. Leave it there. But I'm not really writing off. Um, I almost called him Jalen Smith because I was looking up Jalen Smith stats today. That's why I was laughing when you brought up Tory Craig because I had Jalen Smith stats up and how he's averaging the 13 and uh, almost eight eight rebounds. Oh, but it's it's with the Pacers. You never know. And I understand why they made the trade, so I'm not going to even go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I just I, I'm not going to write them off. But it's just it is weird because a lot of things, a lot of times when this happens is when a guy comes back. I always feel like it's just not the same. Like you can look at it a lot in the NBA history. I just even like with a uh, Dwayne Wade or something. I know he was older, but when he came back to play with LeBron, you know, it just it's never the same. And I don't know if it's this kind of situation. I know he had like the one good game or two good games, but. Yeah, his first game was really good. I think he had one a couple games ago. He looked pretty dominant. Yeah, I mean, position, what he every doing, now and but... then he 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 he, you know, you, you get a little blip on the like the heartbeat monitor. All of a sudden, it's like yeah, boop, blip. And he's not he's not like a three point <laughs> he's not like a three point shooter, right? He's just, I mean, he was like thirty five percent or whatever, but. I don't know. Like, I thought he would be more of a guy, like just going to the rim, you know, causing ruckus down there, like poking balls away, you know, just well, yeah, doing the little the things that he used to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's coming. He's like the last little piece. I know Shamit kind of fell off today, but I feel like Craig is like the next guy in line to kind of get things going before the playoffs start. He has plenty of time, so I'm not really too worried right now. Well, and of course, we're playing against Thad Young, who's the guy who, yeah, course, so right. many Suns fans wanted at the trade deadline. He ultimately. Uh, goes to the Toronto Raptors. He's two for five from the field. He has five points and three rebounds and assists, a personal foul, and two steals. That's Thad Young's line tonight. And Torrey Craig, we're all we welcome him with open arms arms and as well we should. But again, he's brought in for energy, defense, and rebounding. And I don't see a lot of energy. I don't see a lot of great defense. I see zero rebounding. And again, yeah, the the 18.9%, man, it is that it's just horrible. But again, that's an, <laughs> that, that's a, that's an added thing when you get Tory Craig. It's not the reason you get Tory Craig. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the added thing you get with Landry Shamit is defense. The reason you get him is because of his three point shooting. And so, anytime Landry has a little bit of an off night, like he kind of had tonight, you know, Landry Shamit finally earns his drop back, goes one for five from the field in twenty one minutes played. Whoops, couple assists. Uh, but I felt like he was playing adequate defense, so I'm not going to roast yeah. him. You know, because we got that, but we're not getting anything at all from Tory Craig right now. And it's been, it, it's becoming a trend. Uh, you almost are like, hey, put in Ish Wainwright. And it's weird to say those words, Matthew. I'd rather have Ish Wainwright out there than Tory Craig because he does bring in energy. And again, if he, if he, if Ish Wainwright knocks down a three, it's the same thing. You're like, oh, sweet. Ish is hitting threes. I don't expect that. Yeah. I expect him to rebound and bring energy on defense. And Tory's just not doing it right now. And I don't know why. And I was hoping that maybe you had some insight. What are your sources saying, Matthew? <laughs> oh, my sources with the Chris Paul info earlier. Uh, they were talking about how basically uh, Torrey Craig looks like he's on skates too, a lot on defense. Like a lot of it, he's just like overplaying stuff still. Uh, that happens. Um, but 
ish Wainwright. It's not really crazy because he blends so well right now, or he was when he was playing. Like he, and this is what we do. We we some guy has a bad game. We're like, oh, where's this guy at? How come he's not? And it's the same thing with Vizback Biombo. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is why we should play him every game. But the Suns have won like seventy plus games this year already. So you would think like, oh, Monty probably knows what he's doing, which he does. And Ish is just a guy that totally blended in with the offense and he was hitting corner threes and he was just doing what he had to do out there. And that's where eventually hopefully Tory Craig gets, I think it's just going to take longer. So I'm not too worried. My sources tell me like everything's good in the locker room. No one's really, okay, you know, on top of him in the locker room or. Well, and again, it, it, it's easier to analyze the performance of Tory Craig in a negative light following a loss because in a win, it's the same thing as like Jay Crowder. When he goes one for nine, you're like, well, you know, we won. So who really cares? You know, I just think yeah. that, again, as we do prepare ourselves for the playoffs, which are just over a month away. I mean, it's finally, finally the playoffs are around the corner. I know. You know? Up, right? Oh, let's go. I'm trying to design our cover art for the playoffs. Oh, I don't I know what to, to do yet. It. I do think uh, about that once in a while. I think I, yeah, we're going to have a lot of cool shenanigans, hopefully, for the playoffs, yeah, yeah. right? Always, always, man. Yeah. I mean, we're going back to the playoffs. It's fantastic. But, but at the same time. You're trying to get this team in sync. It's like the Boston Celtics right now, right? The Boston Celtics are playing ridiculous, like ridiculous basketball right now. But they might be peaking too early. And the Phoenix Suns, what's great about them is the brand of basketball in which they play is never something that you feel is a peaking style of basketball. Because the Celtics are just obliterating people on both ends of the floor. And it's not sustainable long term unless you're like, the Warriors, when they won 73 games, are the 96 Bulls, right? It's just not sustainable. Now, the Phoenix Suns, again, you want them to be firing on all cylinders. And tonight, for the most part, they were firing on, on numerous cylinders. They were being held back by the refereeing. They had a hard time rebounding, as we mentioned. And, and we mentioned this on the podcast when we previewed this game. The Toronto Raptors are the second highest offensive rebounding team in the league. And if yeah. you look at the statistics tonight that held true to form. The Suns were out-rebounded 48-40, to and they were out-rebounded by 7, uh, 12 for the Raptors, 5 for the the Phoenix Suns on the offensive glass. So it held true to form, and it just felt like, again, you wish you had some somebody who could c- come in there and you know finagle a rebound. Now, to Coach Monty's credit, he actually threw out a lineup that not only inc- included JaVale McGee, but it included one hell of a dude. Fizz. Fizz. Oh, my God. Just when you think you can't love Bismack Biombo anymore, it's announced before the game that he's taken his entire salary this year, a salary that was not guaranteed. He came in on a 10-day contract, got signed to a salary for the remainder of the season, and he's using it to build a hospital in his home country of the Republic oh, of Congo. Man. And then he comes out tonight and displays the fire that Tory Craig doesn't, right? The 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 energy that Tory Craig hasn't. Yeah. And I think that that was also a turning point of the game when the Suns finally said, fuck it, we're getting killed on the glass. Let's go ahead and put in Bismack Biombo and JaVale McGee and do something to try to stop this onslaught of offensive rebounds for the Toronto Raptors. Because again, they ended with a a total of 12 offensive rebounds. 10 of those happened in the first half. Only two occurred in the second half. Yeah. And uh, shout out to him for the hospital thing. That's pretty awesome. You know, I feel like 
the way people are now, like I feel like the whole mansion things using your money to buy all this extra shit that doesn't matter. Like even just really quick, just like when Booker, like they had a tour of his house. This is smaller, like it's a nice house, but it's not like a huge mansion. It's not huge. Like mm -hmm. I feel like these guys, are like you know what we learned for how many years, money doesn't buy happiness, Amen. and what he did to build that hospital. That's awesome, man. I mean. He deserves minutes every night now, right? <laughs> he deserves to be finals MVP. He deserves minutes when the, when, when the Suns need to throw a big lineup out there. And I like that they do. we've seen it a couple times but with Aiton as well. They'll throw JaVale out there or Biz with Aiton, and they have this three-headed monster. Yeah. And if you notice that this is going to be a team that you're going to struggle against the boards, we have the size now. Against the Bucks in the finals last year, we didn't have these options. The option was Torrey Craig or Jay Crowder at the four at all times. Now you have Bismack playing the four. Like, let's go. Oh, I love it. And he's not too big. He's not too in the way offensively. He he creeps in there to where he'll play a few possessions. If I didn't see him coming in the game, I'll be like, I, I don't notice him. I don't notice that, like, hey, McGee's in there with some other bigger big guy like that's in the way blocking up the lane doing all that because he can he can move he's he's athletic enough to get out of the way to find his spots to where he's not in the way of anybody driving to the rim or he can spread the floor a little bit too i'm not saying he's hitting threes but the guy knows how to move on the court and he knows mm -hmm. how to tip the ball back into the into the hoop offensively he knows how to slither by guys to get behind them to try to just cause ruckus in the pain that's what you want in a game like this especially when the raptors are so physical and then when and a team long. is yeah, exactly. When a team is physical, Aiton kind of gets pushed out of the way sometimes too. You know, if they're over physical, uh, the Desmond Baines, oh Desmond Bain, what the frick? What did I just call him? What did Barnes? Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes. Barnes. Desmond Baines. That guy's always on my mind for some I reason. Know, Must you be love his, like you ripped you arms or something. I do. Uh, but like Barnes is a super physical. He was pushing mm -hmm. DA out of the way a lot of times. So to match that, you notice when Biombo came back in when he came into the game, excuse me, the, the paint was cleared. He cleared it out. He did what he had to do. There was like no one, no Raptor down there trying to grab the offensive board because he made sure to get on his guy to do exactly what he needed to do to make sure that the Suns got a team rebound or, you know, someone can grab it and push the pace. That's what he did. Yes. And I was always kind of worried about the whole Bismack thing, if he's going to play with Aiden or McGee, but it works. I don't think I've seen it. To where I'm just annoyed by it. I feel like mm -hmm. it's something that's really worked for the Suns and really yes. And I never really want them to match anybody's kind of lineup. I don't think Monty, I feel like you shouldn't have to, but in a game like this, he finally went to it and he had to, and it worked again. Well, again, what makes this team different from last season's team is the depth. We've seen that over this run where we literally go and destroy the Miami Heat at their home arena, and we do it with depth. And it's the versatility. And I agree with you. And you know, you, you always want to impose your will, right? And I think maybe that is some psychological scarring that we have as Suns fans because we, when we played those Spurs teams in the mid-2000s, could never impose our will upon them. They would do it to us. They dictated how we played. We were this fun, exciting, seven seconds or less. We're just going to outscore you. Good luck trying to catch us. And then we'd play the Spurs, and they would impose their will. And we couldn't do that. So... I think that there's kind of this this PT post traumatic you know Spurs disorder PTSD yeah. where whenever it comes to trying to adjust your lineup with the Suns, you know you, you want to not have to do it because you feel like I should just be able to impose my will with what I have like the Spurs did to us because we know what that feels like. But at the same time, I think that the versatility of a lineup is something that is unbelievably beneficial to a team. And if you have the depth like the Phoenix Suns do, and it includes size. 
that, in my opinion, is imposing your will. It's saying, you know what? We understand that you're a long team, Raptors, and we understand that you are the second highest offensive rebounding team in the league. What that tells me is you're a team that hustles. You're a team that crashes the glass. You're a team that understands how to move people off of their spots, that you're pesky, that you're annoying, and that you're going to do anything you can to try to get those second chance points. So in an effort to try to negate that and understand who your identity is, that's what your will is. Well, we're going to impose our will by not allowing you to be who you are. And that's what happened with the Suns in that fourth quarter when DA was out, when Booker was out, it would, with JaVale McGee and Bismack Biombo, who are not offensive stalwarts, but people who negated the offensive reboundings from occurring, got to the line and got some, you know, got the uh, the Raptors in foul trouble and got us some second chance points as well. You know, so I think that, you know, it, it's been fun to watch because the first time we really saw the Suns utilize those lineups was against Giannis when we played them, not this yeah. past time, but like three weeks ago when we're like, we have these big guys now, Giannis, and we're just going to beat the shit out of you for 48 minutes. And if you can survive that, maybe you'll win the game. And by the third quarter, the Bucks were being blown out by the Suns. Now, obviously, it didn't happen the last time. Uh, and I'll, that, you know, that's the Chris Paul effect, in my opinion. But I like what Coda Kid says in our chat. He's one of our elite jamsters. Reminder, if you want to become an elite jamster, simply press the join button in the chat. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Hit the thumbs up button while you're here, too. But Coda Kid says <laughs> DeAndre's energy changes when Biombo's on the floor with him. And that's correct as well. Yeah. It's almost like the intensity that Biombo brings and the hustle that he brings is downloaded to DA. It also frees DA up a little bit because now the opposition has to try to box out one of them and they lose to trying to do so. Yeah, and DA is really getting pulled up all over the place. A lot of these rebounds tonight, too, were directly to the Raptors. Some of them, not yes. all of them, but there was the energy there when uh, Biombo reminds me of, you know, when you're out drinking all day, you're tired, but then you have someone's like, hey, I'm going to come meet up. And it's like someone you haven't seen for forever comes out, you have that second wind. That's Biombo when he came in tonight. And that's what he can be the rest of the season and into the playoffs. Cause he's ready, dude. He's just like, let's go, let's 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 get these plays set. Let me set the screen. Throw me the ball, wide open. Come on, like you know what I mean. Like that's the way he was tonight. He's like, come on. And then like, I think his first play, uh, I don't know if he like turned it over from traveling or no, he was a foul. Yeah, and he was just so excited. He like knocked somebody yeah. over. Yeah, it's like, like, oh, oh shit, yeah. just a little bit. <laughs> but that's a, it's funny. It's a loss tonight. But I just that's the one thing that sticks out of my in my mind is Biombo's play tonight and the energy he brings. Man, we we always talk about that. Everyone always says that it's like the the most used word other than being uh, being consistent. Like everyone always talks mm -hmm. about those two things: energy and being consistent. But those are the two things the Suns have had and have been this year. That's why they're so successful. Yeah, they bring these guys in like that. Well, and again, Eddie Johnson mentioned it on the broadcast. He's like, this is a guy who doesn't even know if he's going to play night tonight. And that's the kind of energy he's yeah. bringing into the game. So again, the, the depth of this team is fantastic. And I'm not saying that Biombo needs to play every night. I really am not. Like, I know in the playoffs that might not occur. If we play the Lakers, or I'm sorry, the Clippers in the first round, we might not see Biombo at all. Because they have Evita Zubats and then no one behind them. And they like to play five out. So DeAndre Ayton will succeed in that role. Uh, and that's where we'll need Torrey Craig because JaVale McGee will not succeed in that role, nor will Biombo. But if in the next round you have to play somebody like the, the Denver Nuggets, yeah, you need size because they got Jokic and they got uh, whoever's behind him. And if you play, if you play the Jazz, they got Gobert and they got Hassan Whiteside. 
So mm-hmm. again, the versatility is what builds a championship team. And I think it's ultimately one of the reasons why the Phoenix Suns lost the championship last year is they were one piece away. If Dario Sarch, and, and again, Dario is a small ball uh, five, but not having him in the finals was huge. And I noticed that you tweeted something out about Dario Sarch during cool. the game, man. So I just think that... The Sarge Smoke Break. Tell me, yes. yeah, a little Sarge yeah. Smoke Break there. See, it's it, back, baby. So let's get a lost positivity oh. here. Sarge Smoke Break. Tell me what you saw from Dario on the sideline. Dario, he looks good, man. He's a hairy animal right now. He looks, <laughs> uh, he has a great look. I, I think he had like a sweater on, uh, longer hair, a lot of scruff. You know, I think him and I are really trying to get that done before the playoffs start. Um, he, he's just he's awesome i think it was alfred payton on the side was trying to give someone a high five they weren't paying attention oh, i'm sorry he was trying to asarch was trying to give someone a high five and no one was paying attention so then alfred payton gave it to him and then they were joking around I'm like oh dude this is so cool i don't know why why did i even mention that on the podcast i just well i did i, I mentioned it on the podcast <laughs> well i did tweet about yeah he, i just he wanted was, to drop a sarge he, smoke he has a good break. look he has a good look going on dude and that's funny because i was thinking about the smoke break thing i'm like we gotta drop that thing dude i even dropped the camera johnson when he was out one game with an injury i had to do that when you were gone I'm like <laughs> let me just let me just play this i miss him too much like i miss him i gotta i gotta get this one in well then i want to there's one topic i wanted to bring up real quick before we get to jam star and preview the lakers game well two topics but here's one of them You know, I was thinking about this today because uh, Mikael Bridges had like two fouls pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, man, Mikael's going to get in foul trouble. Now, granted, Monty kept him out there and he ended the night with a total of three fouls. So it, it was a good move to keep him out there, even though he had f- two quick fouls in the first quarter. And I was thinking about this. Mikael Bridges is a defensive player of the year candidate, right? And typically, when you have defensive player of the year candidates, one of the reasons they're in that conversation is because of, obviously, their defensive play, right? I'm not breaking any news or any ground here. But that being said is, in order to be an effective defensive player, you're you're typically a physical player, right? How many times do you think that Mikhail Bridges has fouled out this year? Once that I can remember, none, zero. How many I don't times, remember any of them. How many times do you think he's had five fouls? Zero. Once, once that I and can last, remember. And then last, how many times do you think he's had four fouls? Twice, six, six. So four or more fouls has only occurred seven times this season wow. for a defensive player of the year candidate. Now, to put that in perspective, Giannis has fouled out six times. He's had five fouls, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, and four fouls, uh, like it looks like at least ten more. Now, granted, I get it. He typically plays closer to the basket. That's more likely where the foul is going to occur, especially with big players, things of that nature. But again, Mikael Bridges is an unbelievably crafty defensive player, and Mm -hmm. he doesn't foul a lot, which is highly impressive. Going back to the game against the uh, the Magic, you're not supposed to try to block a shot when a guy's going for three at the end of the game because if you miss, yeah. he goes to the line for three. But Mikhail does, and he blocks the shot. 
And I just thought that was, you know, I, I was I was thinking that when he got those first two fouls, I go, damn, Mikel, Mikel's going to be in foul trouble. We need him tonight, especially considering the Toronto Raptors are a very long and athletic team. And I'm like, and then I started, I, I was thinking to myself while I was standing at the airport waiting for my baggage to come. And I was like, self, I don't remember him being in foul trouble all fucking year. Yeah. And then I, I just saw that the stats and I was correct. <laughs> You know, uh, for a center, like you were bringing up Giannis, I think it's more difficult because you are in the lane. You have to take on so much more responsibility as being the last guy, right? Kind of. I, maybe I'm just making excuses up for some guy that beat you, us in the you, finals. You are. That. And that's super are. weird, isn't it? Well, um, <clears throat> well, you are because Giannis this season has played 58% of his minutes as a power forward and forward and 42 as a center. And last year okay. it was 86. Like He's a power forward. He's not a center. Yeah, he's a center. No, he's a power forward. Okay, so in the... In, <laughs> In the last minutes of a game, is he playing center or is he playing power forward? Who else is playing center next to him? I well, just feel like, you know, it like it should Katie's be Brooke Lopez. It should be Brooke, Brooke yeah. Lopez, but he's been injured all year. So he has played more center in those closing minutes mm-hmm. with Bobby Portis playing the four. But again, okay. okay. But again, and you're right. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm, yeah. you know, I, no, I I'm, agree. I'm always wrong. You know, you're always um, right. <laughs> no, I always, always I always just think about like the last few minutes of a game, the last five minutes, who's on the floor. Mm-hmm. That's why I always say like Katie's a four, right? But he plays point guard. But then I feel like he's always just the five because he's like the biggest guy out there. They leave him alone because there's yeah, never usually a center that plays seven KD. Feet. Yeah, exactly. Um, but dude, Mikhail, so his defense, I was listening to, I think it was the Bill Simmons podcast. What a shock. And they were talking about Kyrie. No, actually, I think this was um, the mismatch with Kevin O'Connor, Chris Vernon. Okay. They were talking about how... Um, Kyrie, when he plays defense, like he can be, you know, he's not the best defender, but when he plays, plays like he can be one of the best in the league. Oh, yeah. and I was he just thinking about Mikel, man. Yeah, and I was thinking to myself today, I was like, oh, so Mikel, when he went through that drought defensively, we're like, what's what's wrong with him? It's like, why does he have to play? elite defense at all times. You know, if he wants to be defensive player of the year, but he's probably gonna lose out to Rudy Gobert or something stupid. He probably knows that. He'll he'll lose but, to Giannis. He'll probably yeah, one of because Giannis will not win MVP. He'll be the second. He'll be the runner up or whatever. That's that's um, what the, that, that's the consolation prize. It's going to go Jokic or Embiid for yeah. MVP. But Giannis is having the same amount of it'll statistics. Be, they'll be like, oh well, you get Defensive Player of the Year, bud. Depending how the Sixers finish, but um, just really quick with McHill, he he will get those blocks because that's his defense. That's like his elite defense. He can just go after it when he needs to. Like tonight, he had huge blocks again. Like he'll yeah. come out on these shooters and just swat him away. And I think it kind of leads him to think like, oh, I have this shot over Mikel. He's not going to get this. But then when it's in the fourth quarter and it absolutely matters, it might be the last few possessions, he's going to just take it from you. That's the way he plays defense, I think, now. And I think we just have to expect that from him, dude. No, I could, I completely agree. And if you want to talk about blocks tonight. Double O McGee. Yeah, I mean, JaVale McGee tonight was just insane with the block party he was throwing. They give him credit for four, but I think he had five. And he had a couple pretty awesome blocks. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's just so much fun to watch. And again, he's a guy who get played off a good uh, off the court against certain teams in the in the playoffs. But man, does he... But between him and Bismack Biombo, we didn't have to talk about this guy tonight. Watch. See, I cut it off early because I mean we're not even talking. Aiden was fantastic tonight, in my opinion. We're not even going to talk about. It. We don't got. I mean, do you want to talk? T- talk about Aiden. Talk no, about. I, talk about okay. McGee. Talk about all of our bigs who uh, still were out rebounded by eight. Right. We lost by five. All right, I always wanted a sixty-second rundown on the clock. All right, start the clock. Start and the clock. Go. And McGee go. taking care of business tonight. Actually, I love the blocks that he had because of uh, the ripped. 
he basically ripped Thaddeus Stone's hand off out, out from his arm. Oh, wow, I'm really bad at this. I'm trying to go really quick and I'm just making it worse. So what happened, you know, the, the rebounding was basically going, here's the music, was going <laughs> the Raptors way. They were getting everything, but McGee had to make a statement down there. So he basically was grabbing everything. He was blocking everything and he was ripping people's limbs off of their bodies because he had to. He had to make a statement just like Booker and Jay did later in the game. It didn't really absolutely help. But it was just like, hey, if you're going to come in here, I'm going to rip your head off. So that's what McGee did. Eight tonight. Let me just go through my notes really quick because I didn't have this prepared because I thought we had just totally went over him. Uh, the push shots going viral. We actually love it. We think that he uh, uh, said it. No, no, you're good. Okay. <laughs> it's a new feature here on StreamYard where you can actually yeah, have background, but, background music playing at all times. So I thought I'd put you on the clock. I'll hit stop. And then I got 10 more seconds, I think. So okay, what, go, go, go. What did it, DA actually has some good screens tonight, too. And I think there was one time where some yes. guy got stuck in his, his in his front butt. Like some guy absolutely had nowhere to go. He got stuck in his front butt. And he was handling basically every situation out there. He was handling it very, very well. He just looked like a complete player and he didn't have help with the rebounds but like this is a difference between the way it was before a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. and the way it is now like he has the effort he's there if he's out on the perimeter there's sometimes he didn't run back to help with the team rebounding but it happened a few times it wasn't all game long it wasn't just like him like oh why can't you guys get the rebound it was just it was him trying to do his best he's getting pulled out to the perimeter a lot so there's only so much he can do but i think the effort was there tonight uh offensively he had one he was one for two in the second half? Yeah. Oh, my God. Time. That is awesome. They took him out. All right. And, and and time. Was that actually 60 seconds? No, I have no idea. I, I think that I, was like two minutes, and I don't even know if anybody understood what the <laughs> fuck is going on. Well, it's yeah. because I, it's because I started playing that music in the Fran background. Herrera, what am I hearing? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, StreamR has this thing now where it's like, because I guess on some <laughs> podcasts or streaming stuff people are like you know what we just want to play background music so i can have like this one's called i did see that feeding the ducks yeah um, you were telling a story what? last pod and i was trying to find a song but i wouldn't play what feeding the ducks feeding the Aiden. no feeding no, the ducks giving a fuck no follow the pod uh no i i agree you know da offensively he's just he's dialed in like again yeah. Uh, who just said it in the chat? Let's see here. It was Mario Lopez. He said, Aiden needs more than 11 shots. <laughs> Correct. I, I, I agree yeah. with that. You know, because he, again, his efficiency offensively right now is ridiculous. He was eight for 11 from the field. He had seven rebounds and 16 points. And it's the same old story. Here we go. I feel like, you know, yeah, it's the same old story. Yeah, yeah. You know, but he does need more shots because uh, mm -hmm. I am fully confident in his offensive abilities right now. He's got everything dialed in. One of his missed shots, it was a three. So if you take that one out of the mix, he was eight for 10. Like, we need to get him the ball a little bit more. I think that's just kind of clear. So uh, on that note, we aren't going to play any more music. We'll just go ahead and dish out some hardware. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jam star of the game. All right, Jumpsters, it's your time to let us know who the Jamstar of the game is. Subscribe, rate, and review. Review. Uh, I'm going campaign on this one. You know, I talked about it a little bit earlier. I was I was a little frustrated with, with how he responded emotionally. But at the same time, like, when you take elbows to the back of the head, I get it. Uh, he kept this team afloat numerous times. Mm -hmm. he, gave, he, he attacked where the Raptors allowed him to. They did not want him to be the playmaker, playmaking version of Cameron Payne tonight, so they forced him to be the offensive Cameron Payne, and he abided. The dude abided. So I, I don't know why we don't have a drop for him. 
And it's shame on us, but he is my jam star of the game. Yeah, I think someone actually didn't they tag us in a video they wanted us to do for his uh for his drop? Someone did that. I think that happened a while ago. Oh it's man. Like a, we but, missed um, on that one. We should have done that. Ah, oh, yeah, I don't tag remember. Us, tag us again. Yeah, yeah. Do it again. Um, so I'm gonna do Bismack Biombo, uh, definitely, especially after the hospital thing. I didn't even know that until after the pod or after the game. So yeah, shout out to him for doing that again. Uh yeah, he he was he was the reason we would have won this game. Cameron Payne played amazing, man. He really did. Mm-hmm. I just think that when these guys come in and it kind of sucks because there's a there's a player like Payne that just played great. And then we always have these guys coming off the bench and try to steal the award away from the starters. Yep. Gary Trent Jr. from Felix. Yeah. Yeah, Felix I mean, says was, Gary Trent Jr. That's the that's he the was right answer, right? Guy was just stupid. And it, it sucked because you're watching the broadcast and they're like, oh, he's been colder than shit. Gary Trent Jr. hasn't hit a shot since January. And you're like shooting 18%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, fuck, this is the guy who's going to go off on us tonight. And 42 points team. later. Isn't I know, he like the right? Blazers or something? He doesn't even play for this I know. Team. Well, no, he was part of that Norman Powell trade. I know. Road, you know, I, know. It's just I, didn't like, even, I didn't realize. Yeah. Time. And it's just like, oh, of course, he's the guy who's going to fucking kill us. So yeah. uh, on that note, we're going to talk about the next game, which is going to be the Suns yes. versus the Lakers. Lakers trashing. The Lakers. Uh, let's see. Are they playing tonight? They're winning right now. They're up uh, 91 to 85 on the Washington Wizards. With 10:29 left in the fourth quarter, the dog shit Wizards are down by only six to the trash Lakers. What, what are you looking for in this game, Matthew? Uh, and if we lose, how pissed would you be? Because I I'd be oh. pissed if we lose this game. You know, if we do lose, that's just how quickly things change in the NBA. To where Lakers beat the Suns, we'll probably play them in the first round, and everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, they got what they wanted." Just wait till AD comes yeah. back. They beat the Suns yeah. with just LeBron and Westbrook and whoever the hell they have on that team. Um, what am I looking for? I don't, I don't know, man. Just let Westbrook kind of mess things up a little bit, play his game that he's been playing for the last 15 years. But all of a sudden we're just super upset because he's still playing the same kind of game for the Lakers and let LeBron go into the locker room early. Let him stay down past the half court, just watching his offense do nothing because <laughs> he's too tired to get back. And he's just rolling his eyes, uh, flipping his little mouthpiece in and out of his mouth, just being really devastated all game. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I hope continues to happen. But it probably, honestly, I don't, I always get so nervous no matter what Lakers team we play, even if it's a Lonzo Ball one. Like, I just, I hate playing the Lakers because if they win, then it's everything. If the Suns yeah. win, it means nothing. Oh, of course. Uh, you know, every time you beat the Lakers, they got to remind you of their championships. Uh, and every time they beat you, they have to remind you of their championships. So, you know, again, what am I looking for? Just, I'm looking to have a good time. I will be watching this game at Marley's at Desert Ridge. So if anybody's up there to watch the game on Sunday night, come by, say hi. Uh, Me and some family members to check out the game. Again, I'm back in Phoenix permanently now. I'm done traveling and it's good. You know, it's not time to guess. Yeah, this is it, man. This flight home was the last flight I should have in a long, long time. So just going to get together with some family to watch the game. Uh, So again, if anybody's up there at Marley's at Desert Ridge, come say hi. Matthew, I'll pop in the podcast, but it'll probably be just you talking. Well, maybe I'll just, I'm on such a roll right now with my 60 second um, yeah. breakdown. I might just do a 60 second pod and see how much Dude. I can get out before. No, I think you're right. I think, I, I think you should play the dance pop tune, uh, put that in the background where it's just like, says I'm JT, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> we just, I love, we just try stuff out with the jamsters live on air. Oh, there we go. Get it. 
Let's go. How low can you drop, dude? I can, well, let me crank this thing, dude. Drop it on a quarter. Oh. I love it when I, I love it when Streamyard has new features, man. Yeah, yeah, you got to do the one. Like, wicka, wicka, what, wicka, what, wicka, 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 what? Well, looking to beat the shit out of LeBron. Uh, looking forward to seeing the Jamsters after that game. I'll be on for a little bit with you, Matthew. I'll probably sit in the corner of the bar, and everyone's like, "Why is that guy talking to himself?" Uh, because that he can't means- resist. That's why. Yeah, after Tiger, new background music for a whole pod. That's why they have this on on Streamyard. It's like, yeah, some sometimes they just need like light music in the background. Because people suck, but you and I are always talking, so I think it would deter from our greatness as speakers to do such a thing. So it's very distracting to me, as you can tell before. So. <laughs> yeah, you're like, like what's going Where's on? Where's that coming from? <laughs> God, is that you? Is that yeah, you? I wish. Um, uh, Metal Mike uh, says, "I got you next pod, Lissy." So all right, Metal hey, Mike. Let me see. Hey, seriously, are you really made of metal? If, if everybody, if anybody ever wants to come on the pod, all you have to do is hit us up on the uh, mm. on Twitter at Suns Jam and let us know. You know, because we have like a, a little, um, where where's the drop here? Oh, it's somewhere. Yeah, oh, this one. Twice, right? Jamsters react. Well, we'll have yeah, you on the show. We'll have I wonder you on the why show. No girls wanted to date me. I don't know what that. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that? No, that was a good dance. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. uh, it's from. Yeah. Uh, impactful, okay. Oh, impactful, impactful jokers. jokers. Right, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, what, what's the name he always yells? Joe. Oh, he yells. Uh, fuck. How do I not know that? Larry. Larry. Yeah. Larry. 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 No, 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 not you. I'm looking for Larry. But again, if you want to come on uh, for about, you know, five minutes and, and talk about the game. All you got to yeah. do is hit us up on on Twitter and our DMs to say, "Hey, I'd be interested." We'll send you a link that'll literally. You've seen me do it. I've logged in on my phone and just yeah. talked real quick and be like, "Hey," and that's the Jamsters Super react. We, we'd love to have some of you guys on here. That's the fun part about this. This isn't just me and Matthew talking out our thoughts on the game. This is doing it with you guys joining us. So again, mm-hmm. we appreciate you hanging out for this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. Would have been nice if we got a win, but oh well. We are still fifty three and fourteen with however many games left in the season. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. You can follow me at Darth Voita. You can follow Matthew. Matthew, let's see. And Matthew, when are, when are you going to go see Batman, or have you seen it already? Not yet. Uh, okay. You know, I'm saving that for when I start a family and all that. Okay, which that makes yeah. perfect sense. So uh, mm-hmm. on that note, I think that in order to have a family, to go home and love, you need a family. So Matthew, what should you do if you had said family? Go home and love my future family. Mm, There you go. The Dark Knight, Batman. I am Batman.